Welcome to this episode of Sunday Life. If you're here for the first time, Sunday Life is a ministry focused on making every day Sunday. And that's what these episodes lead us to realizing in our life, that every day is a day filled with the Son of God. This episode is entitled, Questioning the Return of Christ. I received a question from the episode, Jesus is Coming in the Clouds. I'll put a link to that episode below this video. The question referenced Matthew 24.30. Let's read from Matthew 24.30, which I had done in a previous episode. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The question was, what does the coming of the Son of Man mean in this verse? Is this a second or a third coming of Jesus? This is a great question. It's a question more believers should be asking. What you believe in this verse that it's saying will determine your view of the future of the world. If you interpret this passage as the second coming of Christ, then you see this second coming in the future. Hasn't happened yet. You're looking for a regathering of Israel. You're looking for the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. You're anticipating a rapture and a tribulation. This is because you think that all the things that Jesus described in Matthew 24 up to verse 30 is still in the future. And then the third coming of Jesus, a resurrection of believers and the establishment of the millennial kingdom. And then after the millennium and the earthly rebellion against God, when God will destroy the earth and judge the dead as the second resurrection. And then God will create a new heaven and a new earth where evil will be destroyed. The key to understanding whether this is the second, third, or fourth coming of Christ is getting the timing right. Now, what is the timing of Matthew 24:30? Is it has it happened? Is it still to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Let's look at verse 29. Here, Jesus tells the disciples when this will happen. It says, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. As we spoke before, all of those things have to do with judgment and change. And so we see that Jesus said that immediately after these things happen, that they will see the sign of the Son of Man. Let's go to verse 30, where it says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. So immediately after these things happening, Immediately after this judgment, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Now, I've said that one of the keys to understanding Scripture is reading from the perspective of the original audience. 
The Bible was written to Jews, by Jews, for Jews. The majority of Christians before the destruction of Jerusalem were Jews who believed in Jesus as their Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, as we've said before. What did the first century audience at the time of the writing, at the time of Jesus speaking this, what did the apostles believe about the coming of Jesus? Jesus told the disciples in verse 29 that immediately after those days that the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Now everyone, when they want to know what God's plan is for the world, goes to the book of Revelation. Now, what does Revelation say about the timing of the coming of Christ? Let's start with Revelation 1.1. It says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, who was Revelation written to? Was Revelation written to you or to me? No. It was written to first-century Christians. It was written to seven churches that existed in the first century. And this was written to them to show them what must soon take place. Now, does soon mean 2,000 years? I guess soon means soon, right? Look at Revelation verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3 says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. Again, the time is near for who? The time is near for us, but not written to us. It's written for us, but not written to us. The time is near for those who this was written to those first-century Christians. Look at verse 19 of chapter 1. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is, what will take place after this. So what John is writing to those first-century Christians is what he is seeing and what must take place after this, after what he's telling them will take place, or it's soon to take place. And then in Revelation 2, verse 25, it says, Only hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on to what you have till I come. Now, this was written to the church at Thyatira. These are Christians who are suffering, who are being persecuted, who are seeing these things happen to them. They're hanging on. And Jesus says, hold on until I come. Hold on for 2,000 years? I mean, obviously, he's not telling them. He's, he's telling this group of Christians to hold on until I come. So his coming has to be soon. Now, that's all in the beginning. Those verses are all in the beginning of Revelation. Now, let's go to the end of Revelation, Revelation 22, verses 6 and 7. These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, who are his servants? His servants are those who are in the first century, 
And he's saying, look, I am coming soon. These things must soon take place. And then he says, I am coming soon. Revelation 22.10. Don't seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Now, we've looked at Daniel chapter, chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 12. And at the end of the prophecy of Daniel, the angel tells Daniel, to seal up the words of his prophecy, because the time isn't yet. It was still going to be 600 years before the prophecy of Daniel was going to be fulfilled. But here, the angel tells John not to seal up this prophecy, because the time is near. Well, if 600 years was a long time, then 2,000 years has to be a really long time. But John was told, not to seal up the prophecy because the time was near. Revelation 22.20, he who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. In, in the As we look at this in the Greek, it means I am coming very, very soon. So again, all of these verses are at the end of Revelation. At the beginning of, of Revelation, it says Jesus is coming soon. At the end of Revelation, it says Jesus is coming soon. Now, Revelation was written 2,000 years ago. What does soon mean? Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 27 through 28. Jesus says, For the Son of Man is is going to come with the angels in his glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There's an audience right there that Jesus is talking to, and he says that some of them will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You, do you think some of those people that Jesus spoke to 2,000 years ago are still alive? But some of them were still alive when Jerusalem was judged in 70 AD. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Paul, telling a young pastor, Titus, instructing him, says, live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. That age they're living in. And remember, Paul is writing this writing to Titus around 58, 59 AD, still 10, 12 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. That's the present age that Paul is talking about. So while we wait, for this blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So they're still waiting for the appearing of Christ, but they are waiting for it. They're, Paul is telling Titus that while they're waiting to live a sensible, righteous, and godly life in that present age, because they're waiting for the appearing of Christ. So Paul is talking to Titus as if Christ is going to appear to them soon. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37, the Hebrews writer says, For yet a little while, 
the coming one will come and not delay. And here again in the Greek, it says, for yet a very, very little while. And Hebrews was written in 68 AD. He's saying, for yet a very, very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Well, if you don't believe Jesus has come, then he's delayed for 2,000 years. And then finally, we'll look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation, meaning the appearing, of Jesus Christ. He says that you have your minds ready for action, to be ready. Be ready for that action at the appearing. For what? For a few thousand years? If you're telling somebody to be ready for action, it's not going to be in 2,000 years. It's going to be very soon. The first century followers, the disciples, Jesus, and God himself, as seen in this sampling, just a sampling, I could, I could give a lot more verses here, but just in these sampling of verses, they believed and proclaimed the imminent coming of Christ and his kingdom. Were they all wrong? Was Jesus wrong? Was God misleading these first century believers? No. The first century believers, the disciples, and especially Jesus and his Father weren't wrong about his coming. Now, it's important that we catch in all of this, in these passages, the term second coming is never mentioned. I don't know if you saw that in talking about all these comings and the soon coming and the appearing of Christ. There's no mention of a second coming. Why is that? Because the phrase second coming isn't in Scripture. Just like the term millennial kingdom isn't in the Scripture. These are things that theologians have added in creating their theologies, and we have all just taken that as so-called gospel. So can we question the coming of Christ? Well, we can't really question Jesus is coming, but maybe he is, or maybe he isn't coming when or how we think, or maybe how we've been taught he's coming. Could it be that Jesus has already come? Now we can, as we've just seen, question when the coming of Christ will be. We can question the premillennial, dispensational, futuristic interpretation of his coming. We can question the amillennial, post-tribulation interpretation of his coming. We should question all interpretations of his coming, because as believers in Christ, we want to know what he's doing. We're supposed to know what he's doing. Christ wants us to know what he's doing. So why is it important for us to know the timing of Christ's coming? Does the timing of Christ's coming affect our salvation? No. Your salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. As a believer, the timing 
of the coming of Christ won't affect receiving your next life, but it does affect how you live this life. If you believe this world is progressively getting worse until God destroys it, then you're holding on until you're rescued. That coming of Christ, he comes to rescue you. You're holding on by by your fingernails until he finally comes and gets you out of here. If you believe that there is no kingdom of God and the world will just go on, then you don't have any hope. If you believe that Jesus is spreading the kingdom of God in the world through his saints, through the church, then you're busy doing the work of his kingdom. So how and when you see the coming of Christ, it shapes your outlook, my outlook on life. That's why it's important. In the next episode, we're going to tackle the question, did Jesus come already? I'm purposely not giving you the answer to this question because you need to wrestle with it yourself. You and God need to talk about this so that you can understand that answer that we will talk about. So until the next episode, may Christ bless you with his hope and his love and his knowledge. God bless and thank you.